Hi, everyone. We hope your Friday is off to a good start. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Frarian Smith podcast. Week two in the league was arguably the greatest week in Sunbelt history, featuring not one, not two, but three Power Five upsets. Now, as we move to week three, we see multiple juicy road matchups featuring upset-minded Sunbelt teams who are looking for their day in the sun. Caden, we saw what happened last weekend. Can the Sunbelt top it in week three? We'll see. They obviously have a, a tough week to compete with, that's for sure. But we've talked about it before. These Sunbelt teams, they go into these Power 5 matchups and they have that confidence. They don't care about what stadium they're in. They don't care about the, the logo on the helmet. They're there to play ball and they're very competitive. So I don't know if it's going to top last weekend, but we're getting into conference play. So this is going to be kind of some of the, the last times we really get to see these Sunbelt teams compete against some of the nation's top competition. So obviously I'm super excited to see them get after it because they typically always do. Well, we spent some extra time on Wednesday's episode talking about App State Troy College Game Day and what that's going to look like on Saturday. But now we turn our focus to four non-conference road matchups. Caden, I think it's time to talk some football. The best part about Friday, though, in these Friday podcasts is just they're a little bit closer to Saturday when we get back to ball. So I'm excited about it. Let's get into some of these games. Well, let's start right off. South Alabama in UCLA. South Alabama, they cover the spread. They win that game on the road last weekend up in Michigan. And their reward, a trip all the way out to California. They're going to get to play in you know one of the more iconic venues in college football at the Rose Bowl. The game's scheduled at 2 p.m. Eastern time on the Pac-12 Network. Kate and I, I have to admit, I had to do a little bit of math to figure out what time it was actually going to start out there. It'll start at 11 p.m. or uh, 11 a.m. rather Pacific time. And you know, South Alabama comes in two and zero. You pick them to win that West Division in the preseason. So far, that pick's looking good. And Really, I think the big storyline early on this season for South Alabama has been the continued emergence of transfer Carter Bradley. He followed up that 260-yard day in the season opener with 354 more against Central Michigan, now up to 614 passing yards through two weeks. Third in the league, tied for third in passing touchdowns with Grayson McCall. That's just a fantastic start in everything that the Jags would have hoped he could have done. No, for sure. He's playing He's playing lights out ball right now. He's a part of the reason why I picked them to do what they're going to do, hopefully, according to my prediction, and win that Sunbelt West. But it's interesting because he's going up against a quarterback in Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Well, he's a very t- highly t- touted recruit, very talented quarterback who's done some good things at UCLA. And I think he's not the best or most talented quarterback in this matchup, unfortunately. But I don't think that doesn't mean he can out- not outplay him. So he's been playing well. I think that offense is rolling, and I'm super excited about this matchup. I feel like People are kind of talking down on UCLA a little bit now. They're obviously making that move to the Big Ten with USC. And I feel like people are kind of saying like they're making that move with USC as well. But this team is no slouch. I mean, they went eight and four last year. People are kind of making fun of their week one fan attendance and stuff like that. But this is a good team that regularly scores 30 points, 40. Sometimes they put up a 60 point game last year. So I think this is two undefeated teams, which you really don't get much with such the non-conference disparity. If you look at the teams who play in week one, week two, sometimes you play some teams that are way off, way off your competition level. So I'm really just excited to see two teams that are probably going to be playing at all-time confidence right now, both being 2-0. and Yeah, you mentioned that UCLA offense, and we'll get into it in a couple more moments, but they've scored 40-plus points in five straight games. So I expect this one to be a shootout. We mentioned Carter Bradley, but he's going to be throwing to, honestly, if you look at the numbers right now, probably the best receiving room in the Sun Belt. You've got Jalen Wayne and Colin Lacey. Those two, they've combined for 24 catches, 365 yards already this year, three touchdowns. And they rank inside the top six when you can, they both are inside the top six in terms of passing yards caught this year. They have been really good. And that has not allowed opposing defenses to key in on just that, that one top receiver. 
No, for sure. And we'll talk a little bit about that in the Ark State game because I think they have a one very high volume receiver. But Carter Bradley's using his weapons. He has his guy in Jalen Wayne. He's having a very Jalen um, Tolbert-esque year this year. And I think in this game, it's going to be very important to go to him early and often. If they want to win this game, I think they're going to have to throw that first punch. And I think the best punch they have, their knockout punch, their their uppercut or right hook is that Jalen Wayne target. So I'm excited to see them hopefully get him going early in this game because I think it's really just the best shot as far as their offense goes in winning this game as far as on that side of the ball. Yeah, I think an important, an important stat to know in this uh, matchup South Alabama, they've put up 1,010 yards of total offense through two weeks. That's their most yards in a two-game span since back in 2018 when they did it against Louisiana and Coastal Carolina in late November to end the regular season. So that offense is clicking right now, looking really good. And, you know, maybe the unit that's even better has been that defense, a top three defense in the Sun Belt right now. They're giving up just over 250 yards a game. Last year, it was 354 yards per game that's a hundred yard difference in one season that's really exciting if you're a Jags fan this team is greater than the sum of its parts kind of with their approach they don't have you know a ton of that top talent that's you're going to see inside the top 25 and tackling numbers and things like that Quentin Wilfon though has been really good this year and this defense is honestly I think you could say maybe even playing better than the offense which has been pretty good through two weeks in and of itself I think the best point you made there is really just about their defense. They have a couple of pieces at every position to where they can make it work and they'll never be vulnerable. And they all play together very well. They look very smart. They're not busting coverages. They're not over-pursuing the quarterback and allowing rushing lanes. They're playing really smart, responsible football right now. And I think if they want to win this game, they'll have to play complementary football with their offense. If the offense gets a three and out, if they're not going, the defense might have to hold up a little bit and vice versa. They're going to have to play tight coverage. They're going to have to make DTR very uncomfortable back there, I think, to slow him down. But I think South Alabama has the ingredients to make this game as long as they're win this game sorry as long as they're playing off of each other playing complementary defense complementary offense taking care of business on special teams so the defense has impressed I think they do want to establish that as an identity but it's obviously a little bit distracting when you have a quarterback and wide receiver playing so well Caden you were a part of a very good app state defense and I you know when you look at that defense yes some very solid pieces but I also feel like that was a sum of its parts defense that there was just so many pieces you guys were so deep do you see some of that perhaps starting to form down in Mobile for South Alabama? 100% they have a shutdown corner they have a great safety and they have good guys up front I think that's really the blueprint to have it and then from that point your linebacker talent really doesn't matter as long as those guys are running to the football and they're in the place they're supposed to be so I definitely think they're playing complementary ball like we talked about before rotating to the right spot and it's something about a defensive unit that's more important than the talent you have is really how smart are you how, how that football IQ is and how you're fitting the run and your how you're defending the pass so I think you can't really ask much more from this unit than what they're doing so far so I think they're patting themselves on the back. They're feeling good. And I think they're excited to play against a very good UCLA team because it's kind of a reason why I picked them to win the West is because I thought this was going to be a good matchup for them, win or loss, going into conference play. It's really good to see the best team you're going to see all year before you get into your conference play. So win, lose, or draw, I think if they play in this game with a lot of confidence, no matter what the outcome is, and feel like they belong out there, it'll be very good for them as far as momentum goes for conference play. Yeah, you have to agree. I mean, you look past this game, you've got Louisiana Tech, and then the following weekend is that matchup that we've been talking a lot about where they're going to play Louisiana in what would be, I guess, at that point, week five. Uh, and that could really go a long way to maybe determining that West side. You know, really for UCLA, though, going into this game, this is kind of their first real test of the year. They've played Bowling Green in Alabama State, who's an FCS program. They've outscored them 90 to 24 in those matchups in week one and two. So I think this is going to be a big test for UCLA uh, in this contest. 
No, it definitely made UCLA very hard to evaluate because they're, you're watching them play. Obviously, we talked about the public perception of them and the year they had last year, and you're trying to compare that to this year, but it's just kind of hard to based on the competition they've played. So like you said, this will be both of these teams playing the best teams they've played against, and they're both undefeated. And that's really what excites me about this matchup. So I think like for the coaches, you watch the film, you figure out which players and you key on which ones do the most damage, which ones are going to be easier to stop and which ones you have the game plan for. But aside as aside from that, if you look at a whole team, you really haven't really established an identity yet if you're UCLA, which I think South Alabama can use to their advantage because I don't think UCLA really knows what they are yet. And if they throw that first punch and hit them in the mouth, they might have to realize, okay, we have to play a different level of ball than we've been playing all year. So I'm excited about that for sure. One thing UCLA has done a really nice job of through two games this year is stopping the run. They've held opponents to just 62 rushing yards per game through two weeks. They held Bowling Green in that season opener under 37 yards. I think, you know, South Alabama isn't super geared towards the run, but I think that could play a role in a big game. Yeah, I mean, it's I think South, South Alabama's really looked pretty balanced, I think, for the most part. Obviously, they're they're using the, the pass game to complement the run game. UCLA has the same kind of build right now, but they have Zach Char- Charbonnet, I believe, his last name. The UCLA running back, he missed the first game and then comes out and rushes for 100 yards and a touchdown, too. So I think both teams kind of have fire, firepower in different spots. It's going to really be about which players that are the best play the best in this game. So I think you if you're if you're. South Alabama, you're going to have to key into that run for sure because you have a dangerous running back that can pop whenever. But it's kind of be it's going to be it's going to be pick your poison. I think as far as that goes, you want to play together as a unit. But if things start to get out of hand, you're going to want to stop that run before anything, knowing that you have a quarterback who's proven that he can throw the ball around the yard. Now, looking at this matchup, Caden, what would be kind of your biggest key if South Alabama was to go into Los Angeles and pick up the upset? I think it's like I said before, it's going to be about playing that complimentary football. If you look at the App State matchup the and really just the Marshall matchup because the Georgia Southern was just an absolute shootout, and I don't think this game's going to be that by any means, but it was really about complimentary football. Anytime the offense wasn't playing well, the defense showed up and vice versa. So I think it's going to be a game that if South Alabama wins it, it's going to look like Marshall didn't how App State did it. It might not be the prettiest win just because both teams are pretty talented, but it's going to be about can you sustain that drive? Can you possess the ball? Can you not turn the ball over? Those are the little things that win big games like this. So I think it's going to be about playing that complimentary football. And then ultimately it might come down to who in the fourth quarter, if the game's close, can really rise above a little bit more, step up a little bit more and push a little bit more and get a win. So if they do win, I think it's complimentary football and just the timing of all the, some of their parts as far as offense, defense, and special teams goes. Well, we've seen Sunbelt teams make big plays in the fourth quarter all season long. So certainly if this one stays close, you might be looking at upset watch out here. We'll get to our picks later on in the episode, but let's move on to another game that, you know, has a lot of implications inside the state of Virginia and that's old dominion versus Virginia at Virginia old dominion. They beat Virginia tech at home to open the season. They lose to Eastern Carolina last week, a very good team out of the American. And now you get a game against Virginia, a team that's coming off of kind of a disappointing performance against Illinois. And you have to imagine old dominion, is thinking second upset here and going 2-0 in the state to begin the year. Um, You know, last week's episode, one of the things we talked about is we needed a a werewolf to show up after dark. And, you know, when you look back at that game, and Hayden Wolf really did show up uh, against Eastern Carolina. He was just 40%, didn't throw a touchdown pass in week one against Virginia Tech. But then he throws for 275 yards against a very good East Carolina defense. He picked up three touchdowns, all to Ollie Jennings. And this is what I think was interesting. I mentioned last week, he has thrown for over 60% in eight of his last 10 appearances. He goes for 62%, so a nice rebound there. And 
you know, this is an ECU team that held Devin Leary to 52% in week one, who's arguably one of the nation's top quarterbacks. So I think that's a nice bounce back and a good confidence building outing for Hayden Wolf, the sophomore. I agree. I think if you look at Hayden Wolf, you're talking about it like the the moon rising. It's like in the second half of these games, he's playing a lot better than the first. He obviously had a better game overall, but I think if you look on paper, you were talking about it before. The completion percentage is there. He's hitting his mark. He takes care of the ball for the most part, especially, which is really important in big games like this. But I think their offense has just lacked those explosive plays. And I think it's they've been playing some come from behind ball. And I think that gives them some, some confidence as the game goes on. So he's been playing a lot better in these second halves than the first halves. So I think if they want to win this one. It's going to be a lot of pressure on him. And I think he's going to have to start fast. If he starts playing these second halves like he does the first half, I think there can be a dangerous team. And if he gets that Ali Jennings connection going early, it could be helpful for them. So I think similar to the last game, I think if they come out and throw the first punch, Hayden Wolf comes out a little bit swinging and showing that confidence and arm talent, I think they'll be a lot better because on paper, he does what you have to do if you have a good defense. If you want to just manage a game and do what you have to do, throw accurately and take care of the ball, he can do that for you. But if you want to win these games and really take them, you're going to need him to take a little bit more chances. Obviously, you still want him to take care of the football, but he's shown the arm talent and the accuracy. I just wish and hope for this game he shows it in the first half. Well, he's been throwing to probably who, you know, I might go out and say is wide receiver one in the Sun Belt and Ollie Jennings, uh, who's had just a fantastic first two weeks of the season. He goes for 200 yards, three touchdowns against ECU last week. He's had back-to-back 100-yard games. He leads the Sun Belt, get this, 24.8 yards per reception early on this season. He's been that prototypical deep threat for Old Dominion early on this year. Now you look here. You look at JMU, you look at South Alabama, that receiver belt, every every receiver, every team has one that that wants to take that belt. And I think he's definitely pushing it for it for sure. And if I'm if I'm him, I'm in Hayden Wolf's ear this week. It's like, listen, last week or the first week, sorry, when we played Virginia Tech, everyone remembers that game for defense and that how our defense showed up. I feel like for us, another power five matchup against an in-state rival, let us show up for this game. Let let that be the story for this game. If they're there. I'm telling Hayden Wolf, throw me the ball. Let me make some plays against some ACC competition take that receiver belt and take this win. So I'm excited, hopefully, in the offensive game plan. If you look at last week, I mean, the Illinois team is not historically great by any means, and they played fantastic against Virginia last week. The defense held them three points. They got to score at will. So I think they watched that film and they're like, okay, if our defense plays the way they did in the first game and we can elevate our game to what we know we can do and what we've shown a little bit, it could be an upset. Yeah, I think my biggest concern right now with Old Dominion is the lack of a running game. They've been Mm. largely non-existent through two weeks. I mean, 99 total yards combined through two weeks, and they only have Blake Watson is the only back who's over 100 yards so far this year. That really concerns me because I think as you play better and better opponents, if you're playing fairly one-dimensional football on offense, that becomes easier to game plan against. No, one-dimensional football does not work in the Sun Belt, and it definitely will not work against a Power 5 team. That's definitely another thing they have to figure out for sure. I think... It seems like the defense is in, I'm always bringing it back to defense because I was a safety, but I think the defense kind of has to give them some support. I think they've been doing the best they can. They're just having that lack of faith, I think, on the in the rushing game. So I think you got to give them that confidence if you're the offense. You got to run the ball a little bit. If you're a defense sitting out on the sideline, your, your offense can't run the ball. It's very frustrating. That's when you get those three and outs. That's when you're punting and your defense is back on the field. And I think we saw that happen to the defense last week. They got gashed a little bit. So I think Running the ball is obviously just going to help them with the time of possession. We saw what App State did last week. So ODU has to be hoping that they can break off some runs to at least sustain these drives, keep their defense off the field a little bit more especially. And then if you're playing a Power 5 team, it's very hard not to win if you're not running the ball. So that's definitely going to have to be a point of emphasis for them as well. I think they're also going to have to pay attention as we transition to Virginia a little bit with a truly elite quarterback in Brandon Armstrong. But 
This is also, you know, when we were talking earlier today, you know, you said, man, Brendan Armstrong, like he's just a straight up dog. And my response back is, I think he's going to be a hungry dog this week because he he failed to record a touchdown against Illinois, which snapped a school record streak of 18 games in a row through for just 180 yards. Uh, this is a guy who threw for 370 yards per game last season. And so I think he's going to be hungry in this game. And then you add on the opportunity for him to set some history. He's just 253 yards away from becoming the all-time passing leader in Virginia history. He's four touchdowns away from breaking the school record. And both of those records held by Matt Schaub, who you would remember had a very good 17-year NFL career. I think Brennan Armstrong could be the X factor in this game and perhaps have a big game, a big bounce-back game against Old Dominion. 100%. You talked about it before. He obviously had an underwhelming performance the week before Illinois, which is not a, not a team that really hangs their hat on great defense. It was kind of sure he's disappointed. I'm sure the fans were disappointed, but 180 on the in the air, two interceptions. I think he ended the game as the leading rusher as well. So he had to put his Superman cape on for that game just to score three points. So they're obviously going to be disappointed. They're going to look to come out swinging. And we'll talk later about what points, overs, and unders we think we're going to hit. But I think this offense is definitely going to come out and try to prove a point. But the good thing for ODU is they actually played a pretty similar quarterback last week. I think it's the same gunslinger-type mentality. You're kind of playing quarterbacks that have similar traits. I think Armstrong can run the ball a little bit better, obviously. But you're kind of used to that style of play and that pace of play. So I think ODU kind of will be keyed in a little bit more comfortable with playing a quarterback like this. They're just going to have to step their game up a little bit more because that quarterback's just a little bit better. Here was the difference last week, and I know you're a defensive guy, so you're going to love this stat. Illinois held Virginia to just one of 16 on third down last week, one of four on fourth downs. That They just provided Old Dominion a roadmap here to beating Virginia. Don't let them you know, move the football. No, that's amazing. I don't. I don't know if App State's ever done that in any game we played. Uh, that's that's amazing. That's that feels great. Getting there, as a defense, there's nothing that feels better than getting off of the field on third down. I'll tell you that. So I think that's definitely a point of emphasis for ODU. Maybe look at what some of the schemes they used last week in Illinois. Some of the pass rushing moves they did. Some of the coverage moves they did. So I think that's definitely going to be a point of emphasis on on them. But that also goes back to that run game. If their run game isn't going. And the other side of the ball is just converting third downs left and right. That's when you get lopsided. And that's when you're not playing complimentary football, which we've been talking about going into these power five matchups. So Illinois did give them the defensive blueprint to slow this team down. So I'm excited to see if they use it or they go back to their, their straight up brand of football. They were playing in week one, tight coverage, four pick interceptions. They've shown that they can play against power five competition, obviously. So I think it's really going to be about which ODU team shows up. Is it going to be the week one team that was causing turnovers getting off the field or is it going to be the team last week that kind of got gashed that went 10 for 19 on third down what 270 yards in the air 260 on the ground so I think it's going to be a tale of two games hopefully it's probably going to be something closer to in between but hopefully if they get them sh the shades of their defense from week one and they have the blueprint blueprint from Illinois that showed them how to do it this upcoming week it's going to be an exciting game for that defense Man, we get you talking about defense and you get excited. I think, you know, one other stat here that I wanted to dig in specifically defensive, and this is kind of your DBs, your, you know, your, your coverage guys, a 90.8 coverage rating against opposing teams, wide receivers is top four in the nation for Virginia early on this year. So I think that's going to present a very big challenge for Ollie Jennings. And again, we mentioned ODU doesn't run the ball a lot. And in the last two weeks, UVA has actually given up more rushing yards than passing yards. So if they can take away that passing attack for Old Dominion and force them to run the football, Virginia might have a roadmap to victory in this game. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have the talent to do a lot of the things they probably think they want to do, at least. If they watch the Virginia Tech film, they're going to be like, oh, okay, maybe we we don't because we've played these guys before. We've, we've seen Virginia Tech. We see Virginia Tech every year at the end of the season. So I think 
it's going to come down to who can make those big plays. The coverage is going to be tight in these games, and it's going to be about which receivers can really go up and get the ball and make those plays. And then if you can't run the ball, that puts even more pressure on those guys. But I think this game is going to be tight coverage, making plays, and moving those chains. So I'm excited to see it. Well, let me give you a stat to know about this one before we move on to our next matchup. ODU is 0-3 dating back to last year, middle of October, when not causing a turnover in a game. They failed to cause one against ECU last week. They had five in week one. Meanwhile, you flip it and you say, okay, what's their record when they do cause a turnover? Caden, this is incredible. They are 6-0 and during that span when causing a turnover. They've got to cause turnovers in this game. And if they do, history seems to point to ODU having a good performance. I think you need to send that stat to the ODU defensive staff. I think they would I think they would Done. play more aggressive. I think I think they would go be more eager to get those interceptions and force them. I think it obviously if impacts their winning, maybe get those guys a turnover chain, a turnover belt, something on the sideline to incentivize them and just say, "Listen guys, when we get turnovers, we win." That's all that matters. I think that's that's the key to their game plan. I think you got to reach out to their staff if we want another Sunbow upset this week. Yeah, I think this screams like, "Hey, toss the guys back in cover 4, put them in nickel coverage like Put as many guys back there as possible and watch Brennan Armstrong just throw interceptions and guarantee a victory. So I think that's going to be interesting to pay attention to. And then meanwhile, as we transition to our next game, you look at Georgia Southern, who probably had one of the better games of last week. They're one of those three teams that upset a Power 5 team. Not only did they beat Nebraska, they cost Nebraska an extra $7.5 million uh, on top of the money that they got paid to be there because they let their head coach, Scott Frost, go. They're going to travel to Birmingham and play UAB at 3.30 p.m. The only problem I have with this matchup, it's going to be a little difficult to watch because it's on stadium. I don't have access to stadium, so I probably won't be able to watch this game, but that's something to notice. I think the one big storyline early on this season, though, for Georgia Southern, and I've got it right here, incredible Kyle Van Treese. The Buffalo transfer has been outstanding to begin the year. He was the Walter Camp National Player of the Week this past week. Leads the Sun Belt in passing yards. How crazy is that to say about a quarterback at Georgia Southern? And he had that game-winning touchdown against Nebraska. And I think in this matchup, they're going to need another big performance by Van Treese if they want to get past UAB at home. I think I'm going to officially on this podcast name Van Treese the Frost Killer because he 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 took he took his job. It, like it's I Kyle Van Treese showed up the Frost the Frost Killer Jack Frost whatever you want to call him. He showed up and, and got a guy fired from his performance. How many quarterbacks in the in the nation, in the in the world ever in history can say they did that? I mean, he played a fantastic game. He clearly has the green light. And if you have to, if you're on this Southern team, you're house money gamblers. You went three and seven last year. If you win this game, you match your win total from last year. You have this Van Trees kid coming from Buffalo who's throwing the ball all over the place. He has the green light. The running backs who used to just get ran into the ground in this option system, now they're like, okay, we're going to throw the ball a little bit. But now the defense is on their heels. So when we get the ball, we can let it rip. They rushed for a very, very good game against Nebraska. So I think they're excited and amped up for this one. I think UAB has more of the winning pedigree, but Georgia Southern has all the momentum right now, you got to think. Yeah, we talk a lot about betting on this podcast from time to time. And, uh, you know, I would the odds would have not been in favor of a quarterback uh, particularly one from Georgia Southern being the one that would end Scott Frost's tenure at Nebraska. I mean, you'd have to think maybe it would have been like a C.J. Stroud at Ohio State or someone like that. But we're talking about Kyle Van Trees at Georgia Southern. And again, it cost Nebraska an extra $7.5 million if they could have hung on to Scott Frost for two more weeks. The buyout would have dropped to $7.5 million instead of fifteen. So they paid him an extra $7.5 million just to go away simply because they lost to Georgia Southern. I love that. You know, you mentioned the running game. 
And for all the, you know, praise that the passing game has gotten for Georgia Southern, it's been outstanding. It's been a two-headed monster of Jalen Wayne and Gerald Green. Those guys combined for 296 yards on the ground uh, this season so far. They're both averaging over four yards per carry, and they have a pair. The pair have put up 200-yard rushing versus Nebraska. Seven touchdowns combined is the most by a pair of teammates in the Sun Belt. This could be the best running back room in the Sun Belt, and there's a lot of really good running back rooms. And it's just so funny because of the way they're doing it. If you would have told me that coming into any other year of Georgia Southern, really, you'd believe it just because they run the ball so much. But they're doing the same production running the ball, but they're just doing it in a different way. And they're increased their passing production way more. But I think looking into this game, I think UAB also has a duo of very elite running backs. If you look at their room, too, I think it's going to be a very running back heavy game. Dwayne McBride is a problem for UAB. He didn't play in the first game, but then he comes out in the next one. 20 carries, very workhorse vibes if you're getting 20 carries, that's for sure. 177 yards and a touchdown. And then their other back, Jermaine Brown, 205 yards total on the season in two games. So I think it's going to be a battle of the running backs to a certain extent in this game as well. I think whichever team's duo plays better might have the upper hand when this one's all said and done. Yeah, I don't disagree with you there. I think this will be a battle of the running backs. And, you know, I think UAB probably has a slight advantage in that. And so I think that could play big. UAB is obviously a 14-point favorite in this game. I think the biggest thing I'm looking for for Georgia Southern is kind of for that defense to bounce back a little bit. They give up 412 yards per game over the first two games. And then it gets worse. They give up 575 yards in that shootout at Nebraska. They forced four turnovers in that week one game against Morgan State and then just zero last week against Nebraska. They get out of there with the victory, but I need to see that defense improve heading into week three. Yeah, if you're the defense, you got to help Kyle Van Treesen's offense out just a little bit more this week. I think you obviously are happy with the win. It's one of those games I've played in shootouts before where you win, and the next day you feel good after the win, obviously, but then the next day in film, it's a rough one just because you gave up so many points. They played a very elite quarterback in Casey Thompson, so I'll give them a little bit of benefit of the doubt. And obviously, Nebraska just has some dudes, but I think it's interesting. We we're talking about how similar the running back games are in this, but they're completely different at quarterback. If you look at Dylan Hopkins, he dropped back. 18 times in the first week, 15 times in the week after that. Vantrese does that in one game. He dropped back 46 times. I mean, it's in, in week one and then 56 in week two. Like, it's it's nuts and night and day. So I think it's going to be a way easier task for the Southern defense if you look at last week versus this week. You're playing a quarterback who you know is not going to drop the drop back that much and throw the ball. He is accurate when he does it, but you're going to ultimately be honed in on that run game, which you know you can stop. I mean, you practice against a triple option, for God's sake, the past three or four years. So I think it's... If you had to pick a kind of matchup to go into this one, I think for the Southern defense, you have to feel at least better than you did last week going into this one and this week as far as quarterback play goes and overall offense. Yeah, two quick defensive stats kind of talking about UAB, and you're going to love these. The one thing that UAB does really good is they are stingy through the air. They're giving up just 169 yards through the air per game this season, which is top 30 in the nation. And I think that probably plays more into their favor in this game. When you know you have a quarterback that's going to throw the ball a lot, Caden, I have to imagine as a defensive back, you're just thinking, man, put the feast out. It's time to eat, boys. For sure. And especially, I mean, you the defensive, defensive back, this is where you really have to show your depth. I think UAB is going to have to show their depth in this one. They're going to, Southern's going to line up with four wide receivers out there and one running back. You got to play a light box and you have to respect what they're doing out wide. So it's going to be a different task. And I think they got kind of ripped by a quarterback last last week. I think if you look at Liberty's Caden Salter, shout out him, first team all name. He had 200 yards in the air, 79 yards on the ground and a touchdown. He won that game. He had a very Malik Willis-esque performance. 
And they're obviously playing a different quarterback type this week, but someone who's gone and won games as well. So I think if you're UAB, you're kind of scared because you got ripped by a quarterback last week. And then you're looking at the, who you're playing this week. And he very clearly won them the game that week. So you got to key on him and you got to key on a passing game for sure if you're UAB. Yeah, I think that was a great shout out to Caden Salter, too, because you remember he wasn't even the starting quarterback to begin the year. He gets that job after, uh, you know, the starter goes down against Southern Miss in that game or that week one matchup. Here's the last thing I've got, and I think this is going to be a really big tell in this game. UAB this season, they're holding opponents to six of 27 on third down. That's 22%. Meanwhile, Georgia Southern, 20 of 30. On third down, 67%, third best in the nation. Something's got to break there in this game. Yeah, I think it's going to really be interesting to see how, which team can sustain more drives. I think Van Trees and the offense showed that they can sustain drives, convert third and fourth downs last week in the air. UAB is obviously a team you'd see them doing that on the ground a little bit more, getting ahead of the chains, rushing for four or five yards on first down and staying ahead of the chain. So I think it's going to be important to see who can convert third and fourth downs in this game and who can just sustain those long drives. I think you look at the A&M app game, like I said, like we talked about earlier, a lot of long drives in that game and a lot of sustained drives and a lot of control. I think it's going to be interesting to see which team in this one can control the ball more, especially when you look at the performance that Georgia Southern had last week and then how often the defense was on the field last week for UAB. Well, let's move on to our last game you know, that we wanted to talk about in this one, and it's a team that we're going to talk about for the first time on this podcast, and that's Arkansas State, a team that you know, ESPN after last week was one, they gave them one of the nine teams in the Sun Belt that ESPN thought could be in a bowl game. I think nine is very high right now. I think Seven is probably where I'm sitting, eight possibly. I'm not sure I'm ready to buy Arkansas State getting to six wins and getting into a bowl game simply because of their schedule, but something to watch out for. And, you know, I think the biggest storyline in this matchup, these are familiar foes. Like, they've played each other 60 previous times. This is the 61st meeting between Memphis and Arkansas State. Memphis at home, 31-24-5. and five. Memphis, they've won three in a row. Uh, last year, an absolute shootout, 55-50 at a state. Uh, these teams don't like each other, and this is going to be a lot of fun. Now, I didn't really know much about this non-conference rivalry they had going on until I looked it up, but they've been playing quite a bit. And I think if you look at la- if you if you're listening to this and you just are into football highlights and want to watch something, watch the game from last year because it was absolutely insane. We talk about it. The quarterback Justin Blackman in that game, he didn't even play in the first half of that game. He played in the second half only in that game and had a career day. He bought out. He had 306 yards and four touchdowns all in the second half. It was absolutely insane of a game. He's. We can talk a little bit more about him later. He's played a lot of ball. Obviously, he was at Florida State, was super talented. Kind of had an up-and-down career. I think he's shown talent and arm talent, and he's had some receiver talent as well, but hasn't been as protected up front. He got sacked 19 times. So I think it's going to be interesting to see them playing in this game. And we talked about it before, playing your best competition. They played Ohio State last week, which, I mean, that's one of the best teams in the nation. They're one of the most talented rosters in the nation. So if you're Ark State, you're after that game, you're like, okay, there's no way we play, play anyone better than that this year. And then you're going into this Memphis game, a team you're very familiar with. I think it's a very good contrast for them as far as, okay, played a very good team. Now we're about to play a familiar team who were right on the cusp of beating the last couple of years. And I think after playing that team, you have a little bit more confidence going into this one. Yeah, these two teams separated by just an hour and 16 minutes. I just plugged it into my GPS, so very close. (laughs) Fan bases are going to travel. The biggest kind of hindrance to getting to this game is the mighty Mississippi is right down the middle of these two programs, so teams (laughs) are going to have to cross into a new state to uh, get to this matchup. I think for Arkansas State, the biggest thing I'm looking at 
is what I'm, you know, ground and pound. And they have averaged 196 yards per game on the ground to begin the season, fifth in the Sun Belt. Uh, but just 53 yards last week against Ohio State. Um, they had 339 in that opener. Uh, I really need to see Johnny Langback bounce back in this game, the running back for Arkansas State against, you know, a very good Memphis program. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to watch Arkansas State throughout the years. They've really gone back and forth between running the ball to set up the pass and passing the ball to set up the run. It looks like they're trying to establish that run identity this year, which I think will be great for them. But they always have a good receiver, and it looks like this year it's Champ Fleming. I mean, he has 17 catches on the season, and the next closest guy on the team has 3-10 to glad grabs. So hopefully they can spread it out a little bit better and balance that with the run game give the ball to some other targets, spread Memphis out a little bit. Don't let them hone in on one receiver. Don't let them just hone on the run game. But I think they kind of have the weapons to do it. I think if you look at Arkansas State historically, we would talk about it all the time at App. We would beat them, but they were a good team. They were very good on paper. They had athletes, even if you were playing on special teams, they had guys who could fly around, guys who can hit, really talented up front on the defensive side of the ball. They've had all of the pieces. I just think it has to come together for them. And I think they got to just figure out what's the best way and what's their formula to win because I believe they have the pieces to win especially against this Memphis team who they've obviously been very familiar with a big point with Arkansas State in this game too this is the fourth youngest team in the nation you look at the first two games this week over 60 percent of the players have been freshmen or sophomores that have played and this is a young team a hungry team that's searching maybe for that statement victory you know the biggest thing though you do have a very veteran quarterback you mentioned him earlier James Blackman he's one of the oldest guys on this roster 65% 65% completion percentage so far this year. He's a good game manager. Uh, and you've already talked about Champ Fleming, who's his favorite receiver. I think the one thing that I would like to see Arkansas State figure out here in week three, they've thrown to 16 different receivers this year. That seems a little bit too deep of a rotation for me. And at some point, you've got to start to narrow that in. Yeah, you talked about it. I mean, the best thing you have for a young team is an experienced quarterback. I mean, Blackman was playing on the 2017 Florida State team, and he was playing a lot. So I think having an experienced leader and having an experienced quarterback is very important. But I think they are trying to sort out who's going to be their top receiver talent. Obviously, Fleming has established himself as that one. But I think their kind of mindset as an offense is, okay, we have conference play coming up. Before we get into those really important games, let's figure out which receivers have the best chemistry with Blackman, who can play big in these big moments. Unfortunately, they haven't played in too many close, close games yet. But I think if this Memphis game is close and you see some of these other receivers shine, that's who you can start to see in these Sunbelt games really showing up for them. couple of notes on Memphis. They have a very youthful quarterback in his own right of Seth Hennigan. He you know, started as a true freshman last year after the starter went down with an injury. He kind of took that job. The, the starter from last year transfers after the spring game this year. He threw for three th- just over 3,300 yards last year, 25 touchdowns. He's coming off a performance where he carved up the Navy defense, 415 yards last week, completed 67% of his passes. And Caden, when you look at his stats, you have to say this is probably one of the more elite quarterbacks in the group of five. Yeah, he's a game. He's a gamer. He's a baller. He's a great player. And I think that is something you have to worry about at Arkansas State. If you look historically, when they play good quarterbacks, they kind of get carved up. It's just unfortunate. And I think that they're going to have to have a good game plan as far as containing him, maybe make him a little bit uncomfortable. They always have good talent up front, so hopefully they can get to him up front. But I'm excited to see them this matchup just because it's a rivalry, and I think it's two good quarterbacks. And I don't think James Blackman's necessarily the caliber of quarterback as he is, but I think he has that potential. He's pl- had, has played well in these first two games. 
15 for 20 against Grambling. It's Grambling, but it is what it is. And 20 for 34, no turnovers, 188 yards against Ohio State. I don't know if Memphis's quarterback is doing that against Ohio State. That's one of the best defenses in the country. So I think it could turn into a little bit of a quarterback duel. Maybe not one we saw last year where it's a 50 points on both sides. But I am excited to see this quarterback matchup individually, especially if James Blackman steps up to the occasion and maybe brings out the best in some of those younger receivers. Yeah, remember, James Blackman, he's one of 23 active SBF or FBS quarterbacks who's thrown for over 7,000 yards in his career. So he's been in plenty of games, plenty of shootouts. One last note on Memphis, too. They're giving up 274 yards passing per game early on in this season. That's good for 109th out of 131 teams. So to me, there's an opportunity here for James Blackman to throw some deep balls in this game. No, and I think a lot of those stats have to do with them playing Mississippi State in week one, which is literally one of the most prolific air raid teams who's probably going to put up 40, 50 points against LSU this weekend. So they've been tested. That secondary has been tested. But we've talked about it before in these week one games. You kind of have to steal a page out of a couple teams' books. And I think if you're Arkansas State, you have James Blackman, Blackman, who does have a lot of arm talent. You can do some of those things. If you expose that offense early and take some pages out of Mississippi State's book, it'll only help you in your run game later. So I'm excited to see if they do open it up a little bit more because they clearly were exposed against Mississippi State. Here, I'm trying to sound like the media and using a stat like 275 yards through the air. And Caden was quick to remind me, much like a player, it really wasn't that bad. It was just, we're playing a borderline top 25 team in Mississippi State who had a really good game. Yeah, I think if you look at the teams who've played Army and Navy this year, I'm sure they're also up there with giving up rush yards. So I think it is week one and two. It's That's what's exciting about college football. All the averages that we've been talking about have been only two weeks of ball. So a lot of these teams are still figuring out stuff. So it's sorry to sorry to knock down your stat a little bit, but I think it is it makes these games more interesting to watch because you have every reason to believe from these two game, the two game resumes, you see that the, the team's going to perform, but you just never know. Hey, I mean, fans love to jump to conclusions in week one and two, but still a lot of football left to be played this year. Well, that allows us to kind of transition into, you know, our last section, and that's our picks. But before we did that, I wanted to just take an opportunity that if you've liked what you've heard today, make sure to, once you get done listening to this episode, uh, you know, subscribe to the podcast. And if you'd be so kind, take some time to, you know, rate us on Spotify, give us a review on Apple. It really helps us as we try to move up with this podcast. So, Again, if you'd be so kind, take a little bit of time to to do that for us. Um, but let's move into some picks. I think this is quickly becoming one of my favorite segments of the week. I haven't gone back and calculated our record. I know, obviously, we've had some wins, but we've had some losses. I think last week uh, was a pretty pitiful, pitiful performance from the two of us in terms of picking good games. Um, we didn't pick any of those upsets last week. So we tried to pick some games that we thought, you know, were a little bit more juicy, a little bit more edgy in the matchups. Um, you know, let's start with South Alabama and UCLA, and I'll go ahead first on this one. UCLA, a 15.5-point favorite, over-under sits at 60.5. Um, er, uh, South Alabama boasts a defense that has allowed just 251 yards per game this season so far. UCLA comes, aver- comes in averaging 45 points per game. They've put up 40-plus in five straight games. South Alabama's defense... Uh, I think we'll do enough to keep this game relatively close. I think we're going to see a ton of points scored in the Rose Bowl, but this game could smell like another one of those upsets. I'm just not sure I'm ready to buy that stink yet that you know this is an upset type game. Here's an interesting stat here. South Alabama 2-0 and this season against the spread. Um, but having said all of that, I'm going to take South Alabama to cover in this game. I'm not going to take the leap to say that they're going to win. So give me UCLA to win on the money line. And I am going to take the over because I think we're going to see a lot of points scored in this game. 
I agree with you. Unfortunately, everybody knows who's listened to this podcast, the love, how much I want to see South Alabama be successful this year. But even I, the biggest South Alabama supporter, who se- seemingly in the nation right now, that's not a fan, doesn't know if they're ready to take that step to start knocking off Power 5 teams. If you look at the teams who've done that, obviously Southern caught Nebraska slipping last week, but it's mostly teams that come from that winning pedigree. We talk about that confidence, and I think that confidence that South Alabama has is just newly being instilled. Very excited to watch this game, obviously. It's two undefeated teams, and they're both two teams that are playing the best teams they've played this year. So I'm still going to take UCLA to win, but just like you, I am going to take South Alabama to cover. I think 15 and a half. They're going to keep this game close. I don't think it gets out of hand at any point. I think it's going to be one that goes down to the end. And I think the points go over, too. I think there's too much talented quarterback play in this game. You talk about DTR and you talk about Carter Bradley. I think it's going to be on them as far as when, when who wins and loses this game, I believe. I think both defenses have proved they're solid, but not ready to go all the way with South Alabama. I hope they prove me wrong. I hope we come on this podcast and you hear us talk on Monday about how another Sunball upset happened to South Alabama, but I'm still going to have to take UCLA points. So give me the points over South Alabama covering, but UCLA ultimately winning this game. Hey, I'm the one with egg on my face. I took South Alabama to lose last week against Eastern Michigan. They came out and looked really good in that game. So, Caden, I'm going to go ahead and say this. If South Alabama wins this game, you will not catch me on this podcast picking against South Alabama again the rest of the year. I'm throwing that out here right now. Um, just know this is the only week I'm not this just know this is the only week I'm picking against them. Just know. You know I'm with those boys. I'm sorry for them. I hope they prove me wrong more than anything. I've never hoped. I, I would put money on this just for them to to take my money because I, I want them to win this bad. I want this bad for them. But we talked about it before. This is going to be a good game for them. And this is going to be the only time I don't ride for y'all Jags. I'm sorry. Well, if we know that, then I might have to take Louisiana in that matchup just so we can disagree uh, in week five. But we'll we'll see how it goes after this week. Let's move on. Old Dominion, Virginia. I'm going to give you the line. I'll let you go first. UVA, eight and a half point favorite. Over under sits at 15, 53 in this game. How do you see this game going, Caden? I think this one's going to come down to is this ODU team and defense really specifically from week one going to show up or week two going to show up? And I think it's going to be somewhere in between. I think they still play well, but I don't think they play as bad as they did last week or as good as they did forcing all those turnovers in week one. So I do think Virginia is going to win this one. I think Virginia is going to cover eight and a half is just one of those weird lines where I just don't see if I don't if it's a close game. I don't I see a team winning by more than a touchdown. And I think Virginia does cover and I will take the points on this just barely. I think we obviously saw a poor performance for Virginia last week, only putting up three. So I think they're going to be a little bit more motivated. And I think Hayden Wolf should also be a little bit more motivated to get going in the first half, like I said. So I think the points on this one barely hits over, just barely. Virginia 21-5 and since 2018 at Scott Stadium. You got to know that. They're 11-2 and at home in September since 2017. So a lot of things in there category right now. Here's where I'm going with a big prediction in this game. Brennan Armstrong's coming in. He's going to be looking for a big rebound. Not only is he going to throw for 253 yards, he's also going to throw for four passing touchdowns and become the school record holder in both of those categories in this game. Here's the biggest thing that I think could make a difference in this game. ODU's team mascot, Hudson. And if you haven't read about Hudson, there was a great article in The Athletic. He's got a Twitter account. I'm going to start following it very quickly. Him and Zach Kuntz have a love affair. We're going to try to get Zach on you know, the podcast later on to talk about that. But he's a service dog. Here's why I bring this up. UVA barred him from the sidelines for this wow. game. I think that's some bulletin board material for Old Dominion. I think ODU is going to rush for a season high in this game. I think it, they're mm. definitely primed for that. Um, but their wide receivers, I think, are going to struggle against a pretty good UVA secondary 
I say all of that to say it's still not going to be enough. UVA is going to cover in this game. I am going to take the over like you. I think we're going to see a lot of points. Uh, but Virginia, I think, is going to be just good enough to get past Old Dominion uh, in this matchup. Well, last or second to last matchup, and that's Georgia Southern at UAB. And I think we might disagree on this one or we might have some fun. I'm going to go first. UAB, 11.5 point favorite at home uh, in Birmingham, over under at 57. Um, Georgia Southern, they have been one of the best early season surprises in, in really the country, not only in the Sun Belt. Um, their strong offensive play has been outstanding, particularly after transitioning from that triple option. Um, Hel- Coach Helton has been phenomenal to begin his tenure. They've been slinging it through the air thanks to Kyle Van Treese, uh, but they're going to face probably their toughest test of the year so far against that UAB defense that we mentioned has given up about 170 passing yards per game. Uh, I think stopping the run is going to be really crucial in this game. And my biggest question is, can Georgia Southern continue up, continue their hot trend of converting on third down, whether it's 67% on, you know, the year so far, having said all of that, here's my big upset for the weekend. Give me Georgia Southern to cover. Give me Georgia Southern to win. I'm also taking the over. I'm all in on Georgia Southern right now. Very interesting. So I think, Listen, UAB is no slouch. We play them in a bowl game. They always have some dudes on that team, and they really come, like I said before, from that winning pedigree. They had nine wins last year, ended the season with a, a bowl win over a number 13, the BYU team that was ranked. They had a bad COVID year, but if you look at the year before that, nine wins, conference championship appearance, 11 wins before that conference championship appearance. So UAB is a, an elite team as far as group of five. They're one of the most perspective respected group of five teams coming out. But with all that being said, Noah, I agree with you. Georgia Southern has the momentum right now. Momentum is better than pedigree when you're in week three. They're feeling it. They're gambling with house money. They're going to win this game. They're going to have three wins just like they did last year, start the season three, you know. So give me Georgia Southern to win. I also think they will cover, but I'm going to take the points under on this, and it has more to do with UAB's offense than Georgia Southern's offense. I think the clock in this game will be a lot different than that Nebraska game. UAB is going to be running the ball a ton, trying to control that clock, but Southern has the momentum, man. I think they're hot, and like I said before, I think they're gambling with house money. They had the celebration from last week. It was cool beating Scott Frost, being in Nebraska and doing their thing. But I think they come back and they're like, listen, we're 2-0. and We haven't really had momentum like this in a while. I think they're going to come out swinging this game. And I'm really excited for this matchup. Give me Georgia Southern. Should be a lot of fun. I think the biggest disappointment is that it's going to be hard to find that one on television. But I think it's going to be a really good game. You know, last game that we previewed and that now we're going to make a pick on is that Arkansas State game where they're at Memphis. The current line has Memphis as a 14-point favorite. Bit of an odd line right there. Normally you see those half points in there because uh, it gives you kind of that ability that you don't see those pushes where, you know, money has to kind of get returned. 14.5-point favorite for Memphis over under a very high 65 in this one. I'll go first right here. Um, you know, we saw 105 points in this meeting a year ago. It was 55-50. Um, when that game was at home, both teams hold a winning record at home. Here's the thing that clinches it for me. Memphis 22-1 and one over their last 23 non-conference games at home. Um, the Tigers, they force a ton of turnover, 17 over their last seven games. Arkansas State brings a really young team in, and I think that could play really well. It could also hurt them. Um, I think another kind of fun undertone to this matchup is this is a fun game between the American and the Sun Belt, two teams kind of claiming to be that premier group of five. And, you know, if Arkansas State pulls off the upset here, that really helps the Sun Belt's case. We mentioned Seth Hennigan. I think he's going to be too much in this game. Memphis's defense forces the young A-State team 
to make a few mistakes. So give me Memphis to cover. I'm taking the under on this game because of how high the line is. Uh, those teams, again, averaging a combined 65 points a game so far this season. I like a lot of what you said. I think Memphis, like I was talking about UAB, one of those group of five teams that just has a ton of pedigree. I mean, they're they're winning, they're respected, and they obviously handle business in, in the conference and in their non-conference. So I think this is going to be a tough one for Arc State. I think, like we talked about before, they have a young group still trying to figure some stuff out. I think they're ultimately trying to set themselves up to compete in the Sun Belt through these non-conference games. So I'm going to take Memphis for the win. I do think Arc State will cover, though. I think 14 points is a lot. I think it being a rivalry in the nature that they've of these games have been in the last couple of years. I do think they will keep it close and bring a lot of energy to start out the game. And I think I'm going to take the points over on this too. I think James Blackman, he's just due for one. I think he's due for a, a big performance throwing the ball around the yard. I think hopefully it's going to be a high scoring first half. If I'm trying to take this points over, I might look at the halftime score of this one. It might be a Memphis blowout. We'll see, but I think they can stay in this one. I think they'll come out swinging. So give me that. Like we said before, please like, please subscribe. Apple and Spotify. Give us a listen. We really appreciate you guys listening to us. If you didn't check out our episode before we preview the college game day matchup between Troy and App State and talk to the voices of those programs, please do that. But like, subscribe, leave a review. Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it and have a great Saturday of football.